zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, outbreakchallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. And you can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code Zombie Run to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, Zombie Run you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming if you listen very carefully you might just make it out alive this is Apocalypse Now. Did we like this episode again? There are parts of this episode I, I, I actually do quite like. Yeah. There are, uh, and primarily the big reveal at the end, that whole sequence really from the point that point where Eugene first comes into the building to the end, there's so many interesting things happening there and really strong performances from the actors, which uh, I think really elevates some material that isn't necessarily the strongest written material, but the performances yeah. actually lift things up. <laughs> there's a lot of exposition. Oh, these, these writers really lean into the ability of the performers to make their shit writing sound good. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, yeah, and, I, and I, but I think there's also a fair amount of, I don't know, Eugene, this, and this is primarily a Eugene episode, right? I mean, it's a Eugene focused right. episode, obviously. Um, good God, he's such a butt monkey in this episode. He is just, I mean, it's like, Oh, are you down? Can I kick you? Yeah. And it's just, I mean, and I guess that's that that goes with the character, but there's just something about watching a character who has evolved as much as Eugene actually has evolved since we first met him on this show. Right. The level of abuse that Eugene goes through in this episode is maybe a little bit excessively cruel. Well, it's 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 this like us, you know, it's it's that whole. What is it? <laughs> it? It's that story. The the whole like I can't accept. I have to know the truth. I have to know what happened. Why this happened? Which is a, a, a actually a story trope, but I feel like they did it really well in this episode. Because, you know, the person who would, like the character who would be obsessed when this sort of thing happened would be Eugene. 
Uh, but let's not talk about Eugene first because this is very heavily his episode. Let's talk about uh, our other two stories first. And let's start yeah, with Carol because that one's the easiest. Let's start with Tim. But let's start first with this show. This is Apocalypse Now. Oh, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we are talking about the 11th episode in season 11, Rogue Element. Part... Part three of seven. <laughs> the ongoing saga. The Part eternal of saga of The Walking Dead. And I am Timothy Harvey. And I continue to be Dustin. I'll be Curtis for the next hour. Who will you be after that? I, think I was thinking about Doctor Who. Ooh. That's a good choice. 60th anniversary is coming up. You still have a chance to, to make it in there. They just started filming. Yeah, well, I know, but they got a new yeah. doctor right now. And I, well, I don't let think he started let, yet. Let me do a quick aside before we get into the episode about Doctor Who. There's there's a guy who works at the Quick Shop, which is a local convenience store. And every time I go in, he goes, "Hey, where's your TARDIS?" Because I had a long coat that I wore in once, and he said I look like Doctor Who. And he always asks me where my TARDIS is. I always say Hayes, Kansas, and he goes, "Why Hayes?" It's like I don't fucking know, <laughs> but. He was pissed off because the new doctor is a black guy. And I was like, fucking typical. Did you sit there and go, welcome. he's also a black gay guy? Just to make welcome it to, worse yeah, welcome to did, you say, did you also say he's a black gay immigrant? <laughs> well, you know what? That guy is so mad about it. And I, and I uh, downplayed his uh, outrage by saying fucking good. <laughs> well okay carol anyway carol so lance is going on a uh, on a business trip and he's decided to take carol because he wants to to utilize her 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 get things doneness uh and maybe try and introduce her to the idea that she could be a mover and shaker in commonwealth society uh which which Carol's not super duper into, but she'll see where this goes. Oh, she's willing to play along. Of course. Yeah, she's absolutely. Like, I just love, I just love being a longtime sufferer of this show because this is one of those things where it's like, this guy is trying to pull out all the stops and, and, you know, people are, we're supposed to, as the audience, think that he is going to be able to seduce Carol into his way of thinking. When we know that as soon as the chips are down, she's going to go right back to her group. It's the same thing with, with Daryl. Like, they messed up. They're messing this up in the way that it's like, we know Carol's not going to get sucked into whatever bullshit Lance is trying to sell her. We know. Yeah, she's but, like the, the, the zombie apocalypse version of the greatest CIA operative of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They've essentially turned her into Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> or like I said last week, Solid Snake. Like she has had, like when she broke into the, to the, uh, to the fine young cannibals in season five, when she just went in there like, like, and, and took care of those dudes that was the end of any kind of like anything except for carol's a badass from now on yep. uh even before you know 
yeah, it just, I'm just so glad that she has gotten, that Melissa McBride has gotten to stay on the show for as long as she has. You know, she survived by accident, right? Right. Do you know this story, Curtis? No. Okay, so in the comic books, uh, Carol goes cuckoo bananas and kills herself in the prison by feeding herself to a walker because she thinks she has fallen in love with Rick and Lori and wants to join them in a thruple. And when Lori rebuffs her advances, she goes cuckoo bananas and kills herself. Well, they couldn't, they didn't necessarily want to do that in the show. So what they did was there's a Walker outbreak and she and T-Dog get separated from the group and he gets bitten and they disappear into the prison. Into the depths, the wild depths of the prison. And essentially what happened was people forgot that they didn't write a death scene for Carol. I'm not kidding. They've said this at Comic-Con panels. <laughs> and so later they were like, we need to have some big twist, some big reveal. And they realized that nobody killed off Carol. So they brought her back. And the rest is history. They just kept her from then on. Yep. It'll go and down so, in the annals of television. It mm-hmm. benefited the show immeasurably. Immeasur- There's just no question. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yep. Um, so. But, but so Lance takes her to a poppy farm where they're making, uh, making heroin. They're fucking making heroin. She, he tells her that they're making penicillin or some bullshit. Opium, oh, opium for the. But for the, uh, they're making, they are just, they're just doing the drug, making drugs. Yeah. And apparently the head guy is like trying to uh, staunch some sort of union uprising. Uh, And Lance is there to get to the bottom of it. Uh, Well, so Carol, while Lance and the guy who's supposed to be in charge, uh, uh, are uh, are fishing. Carol sees notices a bunch of the female workforce is kind of standing around looking very cowed, and so she takes it upon herself to uh, to investigate and discovers that the the boss is not in fact trying to quell a union uprising. He is abusing the workers and stealing their pay, and he's just trying to get more out of out of lands uh as uh as as evil men do now now question Um, what how did she figure that out because was that even in the show we don't see her go up and talk to anybody she looks at a lady and then the next scene she decides that all this stuff is happening and i'm like how in the fuck did you do that carol well I don't think she, I think we, they just, they just use the shorthand of her seeing that woman with a bandage around her wrist uh, to, you know, cause remember Carol comes from an abusive relationship. When the show started, she was with her husband and he was an abusive piece of shit. Um, so she knows, and they've revisited that a couple of times 
uh, over several uh, over different episodes and different seasons to remind us that she's a woman who comes from that place. And I think that she's her seeing that woman with a with a bandage around her wrist is supposed to be shorthand to make us go, oh, she recognizes uh, another abuse, a person in an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. That's how or, I read it. Or she just makes all that up the, uh, there, you know. To make no, because up. she she says that she she talked to them. Oh. She, she didn't go <laughs> do it in the show yeah, we didn't see liked, it would have liked but, to have seen more dialogue with carol and well anything. we had a lot to do with eugene today yes so we, we didn't have a whole lot of time for other people <laughs> but carol using her uh, significantly advanced powers of a deduction uh basically sets up the leader of the poppy gang to get uh, arrested yes and he does walking out with the lamest insult because this this show you can say sh- you can say shit on AMC mother mother puss bucket. I thought he said what he says. Folks, I guarantee you, at this stage in the zombie apocalypse, I don't care who you are, you are not going to say mother puss bucket when motherfucker is right there. You're just not. <laughs> <laughs> just. And oh, fiddlesticks. If they, I mean, if they could say whatever they want. Fiddle-dee-dee. At the end of this episode, Eugene would have just been yelling the C word at uh, Lance <laughs> for like 10 minutes. You uh, dirty. You're absolutely large. You big old, you know, he'd be doing that. But instead, he articulates his feelings. In a, he says, in a, oh, yes, we'll, we're not we'll get there to that. Yet. We'll get to that. So, but that's essentially the end of Carol's thing. She has now become more good in with Lance. She and Lance are are developing what he thinks is going to be a beautiful friendship, and she's just going to end up killing him in seven episodes. We know it. I know it. You know it. The American people know it. America. Yes. <laughs> so, meanwhile, but that but that's all with Carol. That's we're done. With yeah, Carol. that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Connie and Little Apple Dumpling are on on the on on their way to to find some some conspiracies. Oh yeah, they they got the whole Scooby Van all fixed up. <laughs> I mean, the they are just they are just they're gearing up for the you know missing journalists who ask too many questions. I'm gonna love it when at the end of this this whole story arc of theirs if uh they reach over and pull lance's mask off and it's rick the whole time (laughs) (laughs) well connie wouldn't know who that is she'd be like what what do you own a carnival what is what is your deal (laughs) so and um, i would have gotten away with it too right weren't for you damn deaf people right (laughs) so connie is better better than rick if it was madison (laughs) <laughs> that would okay makes sense i could see that all right fine. <laughs> so connie wrote essentially wrote up a, a story about what happened at the gala and her editor turns it down and like not only uh turns it down but completely uh rewrites it to where it's basically just like you know whatever the press release 
it's sad. Yeah, it's boilerplate from the mm-hmm. governor or the president or whatever. Yeah. President Annie Lennox. And, and Connie is pissed. And I love there's a part where Connie is just like signing away and little Apple Dumpling is standing there like, Connie feels. <laughs> 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 oh. You know, and, and so uh, they decide that they are going to follow this story. Uh, and the first place they follow this story to is a ride along with the Commonwealth stormtroopers as they prove once again that they've received no training and are super bad at their jobs. Uh, because they get there. Bungled, bungled they, it. The scene goes like this. This is how it goes. I mean, there's story in between. But, uh, you know, Eugene and Carol's things happen in between this. So they show up and it's like, here, you're on a ride along with, with Mercer and his but donk a donk uh and you're gonna you're gonna ride over here and they're like okay we'll go get in that uh thing that we're gonna ride in and then the very next scene with them is they are being overrun by walkers and the stormtroopers are like being dragged away by each other and like being completely overwhelmed by single walkers you know an amount of enemies that that connie herself could have probably taken out and they are just being completely overwhelmed until Mercer saves them, which I thought was really funny. Yep. Yeah, they're off. They're off doing battle, and then little apple dumplings just twiddling her thumbs, waiting for everybody to get back so she can ask the hard hitting questions. <laughs> but you right. know what, and what? What's kind of confusing here, and this I think is I, I don't. The show has not adequately explained this. Is that you have someone like Mercer who clearly knows what he's doing, right? And we've seen no indications that Mercer is a bad anything. He's not, doesn't seem to be bad at anything that he's doing. So why are these people so bad at their jobs when Mercer, I mean, he, he's over going to be overseeing their training, right? Right. I mean, but what we're supposed to get from this is not, I mean, we're, we're seeing it as, you know, Mercer or these people are bad at their jobs. What you're supposed to be getting is that Mercer is like super good at his job. He's, he's right. like that, you know, he's, he's like the, the propaganda star. He's, he's like the super cop. Mm-hmm. So finally, uh, Connie and Apple Dumplin get to ask him some questions. And I really love the, the way he, he's just like, why are you asking me questions that you know you're not going to like the answer? You're, you're not going to get the answers to. Like you, the, the way, and the way he said it was really very much like, you know how this world works. You know how this old world works. The people, you know, they're not going to let us. Am I, am I making any sense? You are basically what he's, he's telling them that without, actually saying the words that could get him in trouble he's telling them that they should know better than to ask the questions they the answers they're not they know they're not going to get the answers to because that's the way the world works and it was the way the world worked before the zombie apocalypse it's the way the world works after because the people in power are not going to give you the answers that are going to make having that power be harder right they're just not and they're gonna the world that they live in they're gonna cover that stuff up even if he wanted to 
and there's some implication some of the way that he says this stuff he's answering their question right he's just not giving them here's the details he's telling them there's something being hidden he's telling them that they're on the right track and he has to know that he's saying that what he he knows the words he's using yeah i mean this is not a not a dumb man he, no, he knows not a dumb man and and you know he's been secretly like mercer's been our guy for implying the bad shit about the commonwealth this whole time because mm-hmm. he did it last episode too not with connie but with uh who did he do it with Daryl. oh yeah daryl and rosita where he was just like you know you know as well as i do that you could you know you've got to get along to play along right so it's just it's very interesting the career the trajectory they're taking this character i think because then mercer goes to check on the kid the waiter from last week who's been under guard at the hospital for this whole time and discovers that he is gone and he was supposed to be the one in charge of whether or not this person stayed in the hospital or not and when he goes to the doctor the head nurse in charge she's like i don't want to tell you some people came and got him <laughs> and, yeah. you know she's exactly as helpful as every nurse i've ever encountered well but she's when also in, real information <laughs> she's also in the unenviable position he raises the point no one is supposed to remove this guy without my permission and then someone came along who's got more authority than he has and said we're taking the guy and the nurse, she is, no matter what she says, she's pissing somebody off. Yeah. So she's going to piss off the person who isn't likely to have her killed. Right. And you could just see it in her voice. She's like, I don't want to tell you. I mean, she knows what he could, she could name names. It would be very bad for her if she did. Yeah. Right. But yeah. But later on, though, there's their uh, little apple dumpling and her partner there chilling Sister. in. Sister. Huh? They're sisters. They're sisters. Okay, and her sister, uh, uh, chilling out in their little apartment, and then somebody sneaks a little paper under the door, and what is it? It's a map to the nearest Applebee's. <laughs> it's a list of names. It's a list of names. And, and who's on the list? But the last name just happens to be uh, the the soldier who has been. Uh, they've been trying to get it like find out what his whole situation was he's the last name on the list so they look at each other and presumably are thinking the game is afoot right and the question becomes who slipped it under the door and part of me wants to say it's mercer continuing his i'm not going to say the words out loud that we all know but at the same time his reaction at the hospital could be read two ways one that that's you know he doesn't know anything else beyond right he has no idea where where this guy would have gone either that's last which that's kind of what i kind of got from it is that Mm -hmm. he doesn't know like he has no idea where this person could have gone right so he would not have been the person to put the list under the door unless he was aware of other people missing they'll, as well and he just added that name to the list so it's who who slipped it under the door is still up in the air they'll let us know when it's time for us to know or will they they say. might forget they might yeah they might forget that but uh yeah so anyway that's the end of those two little arc and then we're on to eugene yeah 
which is just the like uh the worst. watching him dig be emotionally dismantled after ha having experienced probably the happiest moment of his whole life yeah you know he's got this uh skanky girlfriend who's <laughs> turns no. out spoiler alert is skanky she ain't, she ain't the best person so the epi this, this episode opens with basically you know the monkeys so happy together playing right and it's you know waking up next to the girl you love and the birds are chirping and the sun is shining and you know the disney logos in the background and everything's just perfect and it's eugene and stephanie they're in bed together and he wakes up and she is reading his his science fiction novel that he's been writing and she looks so aglow like she's having such a good time reading it and she says you really got to keep going and uh and he's you know, just all aglow too. And he says, oh, I love you, Stephanie. And Stephanie looks at him and goes, I love you too, Eugene. And then he says, oh, it's not because you've been working a lot and all this stuff had been mysteriously absent occasionally. And here, here I would give you this. It's a key to my apartment so you can come over whenever you want. And we can commence to this lovemaking that is not going to come off as problematic later, I promise. And she's like, oh, Eugene, I'm so happy that we're taking this next step. And I promise you that I'm not a spy that's going to destroy your life over the next, the course of the next week. And he said, I love you, Stephanie. And then she said, I love you too, Eugene. Now please leave my apartment so I can have a panic attack in peace. When you see my body and you accidentally vomit, we can use that vomit for lubrication sexually. <laughs> Ew. Ah. That's really appalling. But what's what's really amusing is how close to the actual dialogue Dustin's recitation there was. <laughs> Pretty much. There's a whole lot of the same words in there and the same order and everything. <laughs> yeah. So so Eugene goes to Princess and he's like, I've never been happier. And Princess is like, my wig is terrible. And uh then she basically is like, I'm, I'm happy for you. And he's like, but what if it's all a lie? And she says, if someone tells you they love you, you have to believe them. Which is, I don't know, um, really altruistic and honest, like pure advice, but it's not always true. No, right? no. It's a sweet sentiment. It, it really is. And, and if the, we lived in a world where that was the truth, then might be a better place to live in but it's not right. uh but so the next thing that happens is eugene goes to meet stephanie for a date and she never shows up and so he goes to knock on her door and he's let into the building by a mysterious man uh in a in a carhartt jacket and he goes and knocks on her door and she, she won't answer and he's like stephanie where are you what's happening and uh she's inside packing a suitcase and it looks like she's real frantic about it like they're really feeding into the idea that you're supposed to think like stephanie's got to go on the run from forces <sighs> now we will learn that that is not the case which raises questions about this scene considering when she saw eugene last and when she starts packing right because there's a period of time 
where it's like, what was she doing during all this? I mean, was she just hanging around going, I don't know. What should I do? No, that's not who that is. That's it's, it's there for dramatic purposes, folks. It's <laughs> well, you know, I guess, well, geez. Because she didn't show up for ice cream at 1730, like she was supposed to. I guess that was when she started packing because he eventually goes to her house, right? I mean, that's what happened. Right. He goes to her house, knocks on the door. He's like, oh, no, I hope you, are you in there? I don't know. Well, if here's the thing that, that I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff. They're doing a lot of stuff so that we have some visual language about, you know, like to give us some, some context and some, some, misdirections and stuff one of the things is eugene orders the ice cream before she even shows up and sits there and lets the ice cream melt when you meet somebody for ice cream you wait until they get there and they and then you order the ice cream together eugene and again like you said they're just for dramatic purposes having her packing while he's banging on the door because how how that bitch gonna get out of the house (laughs) she's gonna wait for you to leave he's not leaving he's calling the police because that's the very next thing that happens is that eugene calls the police and yorzina comes and does a well check uh she's gone and so eugene like immediately is like i want to start an investigation yep so he files a report and and then we don't hear from apparently we don't hear from him for a few days yeah, uh, Princess comes to check on him with a fake lasagna. It was a sh- that's just, I mean, that's just the first kick in the balls that Eugene gets. No fucking lasagna. Princess, Princess is rolled up and like, <laughs> Princess rolls up into the into this relationship, like the the that messy friend that we all have, who's like, you know, yeah, let's go key his car. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh god, yes. <laughs> hey, you're totally right. You are not culpable in the ending of this relationship at all. It must have been a kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> so so she gets there and looks, and he's got a murder board already set up. Oh, yeah. He's started the investigation is. already because he's like, there's you know, there was no plumber like this guy says he was a plumber but he wasn't and and so he's like trying to pull uh like clues together and shit he's and gone like, completely simple mind on this wait, <laughs> wait is that the movie the russell, russell crowe movie where oh beautiful I, mind beautiful mind yes yeah yeah but he's he's a bad investigator because one of the things he does, he feel, figures out that this guy is not a plumber like he said he was. Oh, first, he runs into the guy who let him into the building. And then he thinks that, guy's a, that guy says he's a plumber, but Eugene decides to follow him and discovers he's not a plumber. And then there's all these people that come to this building that he has observed over this time. One is a lady with a bun we've never seen before. Uh, one is the guy in the car jacket that says he was a plumber. One is obviously Stephanie. One of them is obviously Lance. Yeah. And Eugene does not even for a second. like He is watching from across the street and he does not see that that is his missing girlfriend going into that building. But he's but he's drank half a bottle of party liquor, so he can't see anything <laughs> right anyway. 
I mean, if that's the excuse we want to give him. Well, I'm not aware that there is such a thing as silhouette, silhouette blindness, but if there is, um, he's got it. Cause yeah, this is, it is so clear that these are who these characters are. And I, I don't know what the benefit to the audience is to see it, that. I'll tell you what, it was, it was script expediency. Well, I, and you could. It's like know. the other. It's like the other week when when uh, Lydia showed up and Aaron was hanging up from that pipe. And she's like, "Hang on, I got you." And the right. next thing, they've done magic to make like that to get into that uh, to get him out of that situation. <laughs> you know, that's the only way they've got. Lance did some sort of voodoo curse, <laughs> and now Eugene can't recognize him or or other people under a a cloudy or under the cover of night. Right. Well, then, then Eugene uh, talks uh, Princess into breaking into uh, Beanie Man's apartment. Right. Who, who lives a very Spartan existence? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's an evil. He's an evil agent of the undergovernment. Of course, he's not going to like you know have fine wines and liquors. That's exactly who should have the fine wines and liquors. If you're served, if you are the evil servant of the evil under government, then damn it, you should take advantage of that and have the wine and call fine the liquors. Nether. I mean, come on. I call it the Nether Senate. The Nether Senate. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that. I think I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. So. Eugene convinces Princess to jump in on this investigation. And as I have already said, she does not hesitate even for a second. She's like, we're going to break into a rando's house. I am for it. And so <laughs> she does too. She, she's like, but I can't. It's bad. And he's like, just do it. And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's making, she's making the effort to, you know, on one hand, be the good friend who says, okay, now look, this is, in fact, what they call a crime. But she, now that she said it, now that she's, you know, okay, yeah. well, you know. Now that I've made that clear, <laughs> now that I've expressed that this is illegal, let's go ahead. <laughs> it's, you know, mm. Sure, why not? Uh, so they break in, and like, like Curtis said, he is not living La Vida Loca. He is, in fact, living La Vida Queso Fresco. And uh, I don't know much Spanish. <laughs> yeah he's his apartment looks like fresh cheese yes right <laughs> so they um they start ransacking the poor guy's place and uh eugene finds underneath his bed an obvious gun box and so uh just about that time it starts raining and the guy starts coming back from his jog because that's what they were doing was he was jogging so they were going to break in while he was jogging and uh eugene opens the gun box the obvious gun box and what's inside obvious guns yeah and everything, so all, all the foam is cut out so it fits everything just right like he's mm -hmm. a professional contract killer and i love the the interaction i love the interaction that they have here where eugene's like how much you know how what's how many cycles do i have and princess is like i don't know what that means <laughs> call call off how close he is in meters 50 40 she's like i don't know how to do that <laughs> uh but they end up getting out just in time for to miss the guy they don't get caught by him they get caught by the nosy little old lady who watched them break into the building in the first place uh, so then they go to jail 
and Lance shows up because he just got back from his uh, his uh, business trip with Carol, and uh, he convinces Eugene to sign away like he gives him all this evidence like you know stephanie quit her job and you know she moved and and that guy really is a plumber and here's the work order and that building you've been sticking out is in fact a a plum plumbery and you know it's what it's a what dustin it's a it's a plumbery a plumbery Marjorie, go to the plumbery and buy me some new water filters. Is that where the plumbers live, the plumbery? Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. So, so, uh, require a plumbist. Yes, our plumbist, and so Eugene is just really devastated. But the but the plumber is not going to uh, press charges, and he and uh, and Princess go back to his apartment, and uh, then Eugene's like, "All right." The next part of my plan is that we dress up like nuns. Princess <laughs> is like, stop, wait, I can't do this anymore. Like, seriously, like, I think the chick maybe just broke up with you. Couldn't think of a way to break up with you. And that's what happened. And, and he's like, but you weren't there. You didn't feel it. And, uh, and so that makes her go, okay, so maybe, maybe you're not crazy but i'm not gonna help you well guess what eugene you were there and she didn't feel it <laughs> no she didn't because the next thing eugene does is he goes back to the building and he decides he is gonna break his ass in because breaking in has done him so well to the plumbery this, this he's already time. committed a crime let's just crime again right uh and so he, he, he breaks in he follows the bun lady in uh because she's got bad door protocol and then uh, he attacks the guy with the beanie with some sort of spray. I'm guessing like make, makeshift pepper spray or something. He, he made that in his kitchen. Yes. And so then he is attacked and thoroughly beaten by, by a woman who is, uh, can we all say it together? One, two, three. Stephanie. And the look she gives him is this weird bit of like pitying, disdaining, like, you know, it's very, very hard for me to, uh, to, to like read it in, in that way. That's like, does she feel sorry for him? Does she just like, Oh God, this, what I saw was, I can't believe I fucked you. Oh, Oh, I was attacked. We see that. We had a cute attack. For our for our patron, uh, Dustin's child is saying goodnight. As often happens, and it is adorable. Off she goes. What were you she saying? She does it. Who who's saying what about what? I don't know. Um yeah, the, know, look, the look on anyway, her face. He gets is... his kicked ass kicked by a girl who who is clearly over him. Right. <laughs> she was never under him. Oh no, she was under him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she was ever. Okay, she under was probably him. on top. That's true. He is. Yeah, that but was, yeah, that was doggy. The, I don't want to see your face. Kind of, kind of sex. You know. The, uh, you know, and I, I just wonder what that interview. Curtis, would you like to uh, to do some some improv? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, theater with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, Who I, who's my character? Uh, I would like for you to play Stephanie, and I will play Lance. Okay. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, sure. 
welcome, uh, Stephanie, to the Commonwealth. Uh, what were your skills before uh, you, you in the world before before this ten years of zombie uh, whatever? So what were you doing before then? I used to I used to bang dudes to get into concerts. Oh, excellent! Because you know you are in your maybe late twenties, early thirties, and so that makes sense because it would have been ten years ago. You would have been a, a late teenager, maybe a you know. How would you I like to? So many guys before I was seventeen. You don't even know, but I did get to meet Lance Bass. Ah, uh, how would you feel about utilizing those? become a secret agent for the government i was thinking about that earlier when um, i was uh blowing a guy for no reason <laughs> well, well you might have to do some light prostituting uh to get the information you're fine with that apparently yeah oh yeah i'm good i'm good good excellent I'm, yeah yeah i don't so, even have to be awake for this welcome to covert ops oh thank you thank you who's my first project target well there's this little old lady who <laughs> and we could end there i don't think she's i haven't I, I haven't scissored with an old lady since i was 20 yeah <laughs> i doubt very seriously that this is the first time that they have done this you oh know. no that that seems unlikely it does raise the question and, well they just do what they got it and you know and and whoever gets hurt so what they got their information right and you know and but obviously obviously our 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 friend is very hurt very very hurt and you know this is what we're talking about at the beginning of of our episode this is some of the most clunky expositional writing that this show has ever done because it's essentially a longer scooby-doo you know velma would be making the speech in scooby-doo mm -hmm. mm -hmm. except she would you know the where she crosses all the t's and dots all the i's right mm -hmm. i figured it out because this and this and this happened and then this and this and this happened and and it is a lot and uh and it's delivered well for how just terrible it is <laughs> yeah eugene's like let me just recap for you over the next few minutes about how i fell for everything that you did and it, what that was. it literally is his entire interactions from when they first encountered the commonwealth up to this moment right he walks he walks he walks lance who was information, there by the way <laughs> um and the audience all the way through it and if it wasn't for the performance, I think makes this very, at least for me, it made this it, very long, clunky exposition bit work because he is leaning into it so hard. I think he was just upset because because this monologue was so bad. He was just crying to get. Well, I mean, I that's kind of, I got, I, I actually honestly got a little bit of that too because I felt like, he was put it felt there were times it felt like he was pushing because you know that's not his real accent right and right. this is an emotional scene that goes on for minutes and you're in, you're doing it in an accent while crying and groveling on the floor that's a lot and he's like i'm gonna expose you for what you are and he goes cool <laughs> yeah, well, I, 
I, I think I think the reason that it actually worked for me is that it's not out of character for Eugene to do this. And it's also because it is so laying it all out like this really shows just how utterly cruel the situation really is and how just Eugene is not really treated like a person. He's treated like a means to an end for someone who doesn't actually care about individual people except for himself. Right. Lance is just standing there the entire time just looking at him with this very small grin, very subtle, just sort of not quite a blank expression, just staring at him and drinking it in. And yeah, like you said, it's like Eugene says, I'm going to expose you. I'll tell everyone. And Lance is like, okay, go ahead. By all means, what are you going to tell him? I've got a piece of paper that says you're super paranoid. So what do you, what what do you think people are going to believe you? And by the way, all this is a is me doing you a favor, and then he starts in on that fucking bendy logic, and uh, and, and really reveals what a piece of shit he is. <laughs> well, there's there's two things that he's doing there. One is that if you take what he's saying at face value, if Lance were to actually actually believed everything that he's saying, which it's hard to tell with with Lance, I gave you everything that you actually need all you have to the only the only cost was a little bit of your dignity i should feel bad about that much as i hate lance as a character i love that moment i mean he's just Mm. so okay i'm the bad guy i don't feel bad about it he played that scene just right i thought you know i did i thought i thought thought that yeah we hate him more than ever now and that is the way that should be he's he's all he's in that school of villainy which is the i'm being reasonable here right and those are some of the worst villains they're the ones who are actually like well i have a rationale for what i'm doing it makes perfect sense see and you go damn it (laughs) right (laughs) i mean you're still a monster but uh, curse you curse you super villain lance (laughs) right well, the next thing we see with Eugene is that he has broken. Oh, but wait, Lance's final twist of the knife. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. He gets, he's walking away and Eugene is a puddle on the floor and he stops and turns around and goes, oh, by the way, uh, her real name is whatever her real name is. I don't care. She it doesn't matter. And, and, and she really did like your book. You should keep working on that. And the question I have is, is Lance trying to be nice right here? Oh, no, because no, no, well. he, he twists that knife with the she hates Iron Maiden comment too. Yeah, just But the thing is, is that Lance, you look at Lance's interaction with Carol and Lance has got blind spots. He is not capable. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Right. He's not capable of seeing that the fact that Carol might not be the smartest person in the room, but she's the smartest person in the room uh, when it comes to double dealing and manipulation and 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 right. And not only that, but you you know, Eugene is not gonna take this lie down. Like maybe, maybe Eugene from the first season that he appeared might 
just, you know, crumble into nothing. But but this current ideation of Eugene, he might not be able to expose you, but he's going to definitely try and find a way to take you down. Oh, no question. But I think that there's part of Lance that we've seen already, which is the, I want people to like me. I want to be the charming person. So on one hand, it could very easily and probably is Lance just being one last cruelty, one last twist of the knife, intentional twist of the knife. But it also works as Lance going, I'll throw him a bone. I'll give him a little, a little bit of, you know, a little positive thing at the end. I don't know. It plays both ways for me. I don't know. I think I think that Lance has lost like you. Eugene did everything that Lance needed him to do. And he is cutting that that asset loose and he doesn't care about it. He's just like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care. So he does. And so the first thing Eugene goes and does burns his book. But while he's burning his book, you know, it's a it. It's an understandable action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I cannot tell you. While he's crying into the flames. I cannot tell you how many times that I have been in this exact situation where you just have to burn your novel because the person you thought you were in love with turned out to be a spy. (sighs) You really got to ask yourself why you you produce the art you produce because if you're doing it for someone else, then... Well, you, I don't necessarily think that he was doing it for her, but her, the idea, I mean, think about who this character is. Eugene is the goony weirdo who just spent two, yeah, and, and this woman is giving him the confidence to pursue his dream, and it turns out that all of that, everything that he was getting from her was a lie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sucks. Well, and, and even if he were, if he for a moment believes that she really liked his novel, destroying the thing that you knew the person who betrayed you liked, even if it's something of value to you. Yeah, I've seen that happen before. So right as he's throwing the last page in, uh, who should appear behind him? But Kat, and Kat's like, Eugene, we're kind of, I feel like we're not supposed to know it's Kat because we're supposed to have the same uh, silhouette blindness that Eugene has. (laughs) Uh, But it's her. It's Max. Who cares? She was dressed as a cat last week. Um, so, So she's like, Eugene, I want to talk to you. And he's like, go away and leave me in my pain. And then she's like, here's a stupid thing we used to say to each other on the radio. And he's like, what the what? And that's where the episode <laughs> ends. Yep. Yep. That's where it ends. With those exact words, again, Dustin has perfectly captured the, the depth and complexity of the script this week. Yep. New Stephanie. There's something about this episode that overall works for me, ultimately. I mean, yeah, me too. Eugene, Eugene being obsessive about this sort of thing makes perfect sense in the character. Um, 
the writing is clunky, but again, Josh McDermott just, I think, makes his 40,000 minute monologue work. Folks, if you cast your mind back all the way to when this was a written review show, uh, it wasn't a show, it was written reviews on a website. Um, Dustin and I came up with the two minute rule. It's that every character in season two of The Walking Dead was required to have a two minute monologue every episode. Mm -hmm. And we actually have gone away from that for quite some time, which has been great because two minutes can be forever. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure this monologue was a lot longer than two minutes. And I don't know, again, the performance made it work for me. And the fact that, you know, Lance is just standing there staring at him during the entire time. And they're quite content to cut to that blank expression whenever needed. So I don't know. I think, I think it really shows what a monster, another, another way of showing what a monster Lance is. And that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. On to the next one. Of course. It keeps on coming. It never ends. It's the show that continues until Lots the end of, of mysteries. time. Lots of mysteries. Lots of good stuff for the Scooby gang to do. <clears throat> and and uh, I hope they can figure it all out. Like, where did where did that waiter go? And and uh, who is Stephanie? And why isn't didn't Stephanie just bang him in the first place? And yeah, it's uh, all these answers and more revealed on the next episode of, well, maybe not next episode, but on upcoming episodes of The Walking Dead. And we, of course, will cover that as well. Hey, folks, if you have not already taken advantage, <laughs> because we're required to by the gypsy curse. Um, <laughs> if you have not already taken advantage of the 15% discount on your first race over at theoutbreakchallenge.com, please do so. Use code. You probably heard that commercial again this episode. You probably did, but I'm going to do it here anyway. Oh, I got to write because. a new one. Somebody. Yeah, we need to do a new one. We need to do one. Uh, but yeah, take advantage of that. Zombie run is the code and uh, put that in there and save some, some money off your first race because it's a lot of fun and we enjoyed it and hopefully going to do another one here in the not too distant future. And check out our Patreon. Uh, check out the levels. See if there's something that you feel that you want to support us through that. That would be great. Um, we're going to keep doing this no matter what, but if you want to help us out with that, that would be fine. And find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things because hey say you can say hi to us through that and, and we'd love to hear from you guys curtis has been asking you guys to like you know write him letters and call and, and you and you haven't and it hurts him it hurts him deep inside he doesn't like to show it you guys pain. have a phone number why isn't anyone calling me you know who calls me 17 times a day my mom you guys could make me feel better about my life don't you hear I the don't pain? Call anybody pain deep inside him there Fix the pain. Send him a text. That's goddamn Western Kansas, and and you know, there's no there's no cure for that. Mm. Now, if you don't know Curtis's phone number, he's not going to tell you now because it's in previous episodes or he'd said it multiple times. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, then folks, really, you should go back and listen from the beginning. Just it's it. like Just an Easter egg hunt, and the right. gift is Curtis. You know what? Email me, voiceoverus 1972 at gmail.com. Just shoot me a note. I'm on at the night desto on Twits. You can you can talk to me there. I will I will I, I made a tweet about a game that I played that blew up unexpectedly. 
There you go. I'll have um, to read that. All right, folks. Well, talk to us. Enjoy the show. We'll see you in a week or so with our next episode. And we hope that you will join us for that as well. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Curtis. Tim. <laughs> we are all Curtis. Deep down inside. <laughs> the pain, the pain deep inside makes us all Curtis. Anyway. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.